More Grammys won than any other band, induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and a respected voice in worldwide social and humanitarian efforts. U2 has had quite the 33-year run. While this longevity alone is impressive, it is even more striking that the original four members from 1978 are still together, unchanged from their Dublin days. You may be wondering, am I listening to the right podcast? And if so, what does this have to do with work wisdom? Today on The Behaviorist, we begin our newest series on co-leadership. We will explore the topic with various guests, getting to the core of what is co-leadership. The unique chemistry among U2's members and their tremendous success is not just magic. It's an example of healthy co-leadership dynamics. In an interview, Brian Eno describes, quote, U2's chemistry relies on their empathy and respect for each other, but also something intrinsic to Irish society, the attempt to keep everyone included. They just don't let things fall apart. So if somebody starts to feel that they are not a part of the process, they are quickly brought back in. You two have that tribal attitude. If you get ill, it's not just your problem. It's the problem of the entire tribe. They do it not simply out of generosity, but because that's how you get a good working community, end quote. Drawing on lessons like this from musicians, company executives, parents, and more, we will explore how and why co-leadership will improve a team's performance. Co-leadership is all around us in marriages, relationships, parenting, companies, and organizations. Employing this model can lead to healthier behaviors in all these relationships. In the first part of the series, we will mine our real lives to learn the art and practice of meaningful co-leadership. Welcome to The Behaviors with Work Wisdom, where we can help you adopt high-performance mindsets, behaviors, communication, and culture. I'm your host, Randy Barrage. Our intention for The Behaviors podcast is to share accessible, concrete practices that you can weave into your whole life to begin a shift toward joy and meaningful achievement. Today, we are kicking off a new series on the podcast all about co-leadership, what it is, why it can be ideal, what are the benefits, what are the pitfalls. In this first installment, Exploring the Art and Practice of Co-Leadership, we are excited to be joined by Eric Fawcett, co-owner and executive producer at Egg Creative Corporation and soon-to-be master's degree recipient in marriage and family therapy later this summer, and Joey McMonagall, chief business development officer at Atomic. Thanks for being on the show, guys. Happy to have you. Thank you. It's good to be here. At Work Wisdom, we really couldn't think of two better guests to to launch into this new series than with you both. So getting it started, why co-leadership? What have been your own experience with this, Eric? My first experience with co-leadership was when I formed a band in seventh grade with two other guys. And this band actually survived through high school until we all went to college. We were performing all over the major state of Iowa, uh, driving around in our VW bus. And that group did not have a leader. Anyone who saw us would clearly identify Rob, our lead singer, as our leader. But behind the scenes, it was very collaborative and we all had our strengths. But when it came to major decision-making, we were very much a unit. And we didn't think of ourselves as co-leaders. We didn't use that word. And it wasn't until later that I really appreciated how extraordinary that was. After college, I decided to become a professional musician and um, formed with um, a good friend, a band called Spy Mob. That experience with my band Outrage growing up was definitely on my mind and John's mind, my co-founder of the band Spy Mob for how we wanted to do business. And we were also aware that as your intro pointed out, you too use that model and other bands like REM use that model. The Beatles did not use that model <laughs> and, and everyone feels like they ended too soon. Um, later after I stopped touring, I formed a music licensing company with a another good friend, John Hermanson, and uh, we 
followed the same model. Um, these were all folks who I knew and I trusted and they had, uh, there was a lot of crossover in our skills when it came to how to steer the organization. And so there also wasn't, uh, it seemed like the, the groups and the organizations were going to be more vulnerable appointing a single leader than if we shared that role. And as it turned out, in all of those instances, our egos could handle it. And most recently in my work as a marriage and family therapy intern with clients, I very much conduct my sessions with my clients in a co-leadership fashion. Um, Therapists are not advisors. Uh, We don't instruct our clients in what to do. It's very much um, me acting as a mirror and listening to my clients' stories. And once again, I I find myself, you know, just when I thought I was kind of going in a more individual pursuit in this work, it's very much still co-leadership. I can't get away from it. (laughs) So your experiences have been in music, in business, and in music business, (laughs) (laughs) and now going back to business. (laughs) And working with clients in a therapeutic fashion, and a lot of my clients are artists. So the, the collaborative co-leadership sense is, is there as well. Yeah. Joy, what about you? How, how have you um, dealt with co-leadership in, in your life and, and kind of like why, why that model? How can it be beneficial? Have you seen? Uh, similar to Eric, my first experiences were, were in the music world um, and both in bands that employed and, and enjoyed that concept of co-leadership and bands that didn't. And um you know, until recently, I never thought of it through that lens. But there were bands where I felt like I was a person who was plugged into a thing that was already happening and would happen with or without me. And I was just I had a job to do and I did my job. And then there were bands where I felt like this was a, a group of people with a with um, a similar purpose and a, and a similar desired outcome, even if we had our own opinions and ideas along the way. So that uh, those those moments where, where you felt like you were part of one sort of group that that shared uh responsibilities and shared direction um those were the early experiences and again i wouldn't have called it that at the time but looking back i can see that now and then uh, most recently and perhaps most impactfully in my marriage uh, that's a place where again i wouldn't have used these terms and probably wouldn't have even qualified as co-leadership for some of it but as i grow older and hopefully somewhat wiser i can see the benefits of of that um that paradigm working really well in a place where <clears throat> more than one where, where you need to share responsibilities and share uh engagement on, on anything on everything really that's important to the family what i really love about that example joey of of marriage serving as a model of co-leadership and also the choice of the theme of music is that i think for anyone who's interested in understanding the opportunities and challenges of co-leadership both of those are very easy to imagine. Yeah. Yeah. It both require full engagement and commitment and, uh, and acceptance of others, understanding where you stop, where someone else starts. All those kinds of things are really important. And that shared, um, that co-leadership experience. I agree with that. Also have very clear, uh, direct beneficiaries to those models, you know, in, in music. <laughs> yeah. You know, not not only for the enjoyment of yourselves with the music, but for your you know fans and those who kind of support you along the way. And as a parent, probably your children are the the biggest uh, benefactors of of the of a healthy and successful kind of co leadership model. Um, hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, <laughs> that's the intention. Yeah. Uh, so, trying to define this, what is co leadership exactly, uh, Eric? How would you define what is co leadership? So. Co-leadership can happen in a variety of contexts, um, but to a greater or lesser extent, co-leadership is the uh, a decision for more than one person. It can be two, or it can be three or more, to have the same leadership status in an organization for the reason that having a single leader makes the organization more vulnerable. Um, so, And it generally means that there is either very little supervision or no supervision above that, the co-leadership. Um, so 
if I could compare it to a team. Mm-hmm. Can I compare it to a team yeah. yet? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So for example, someone might say like, why, you know, isn't a team co-leadership? And it can be, but in general, a team is working under supervision. So a team could work for six months on an idea. Everyone's working wonderfully on the same idea. And at the end of that process, a manager could come along, change the idea unilaterally. And that wouldn't, that's not what we mean by co-leadership. Co-leadership has high stakes for that team to perform well. Um, And how that team performs well, I think is something we'll address in a later question. But um, it's really a choice um, based on what is going to serve the organization best. Mm. Mm -hmm. That's good. And in the example that we kind of kick this off with, with you two, you know, in practice for them, you know, while everyone is probably most familiar with Bono um, and would assume that has, he's the, the leader of the band or the figurehead, you know, that's, that's in truth, not the case. Um, and so what they attribute a lot of their, their success to is how they have been able to kind of share in some of those power dynamics um, with each other over the years. Is that true? When it comes to U2, very few people know the name Larry Mullen Jr., but Larry Mullen Jr., the drummer, is the founder of U2. And what Larry and the group understood early on is that this was a band. And everyone can think of bands that break up and the lead singer or the most popular member goes on, tries to have a solo career, and it's not what the band was. And so for bands like Coldplay... For bands like R.E.M. and U2, for bands like Rush, they learned early on that to really appreciate the power of being a band means not only internally organizing the leadership in an egalitarian way, but also splitting the earnings equally as well. And that also is a a mark of co-leadership where the stakeholders are equal and are treated as equal and um and that you know pertains to leadership as well as the financial remuneration and so if you took that outside of the band situation eric is it fair to say that the equal sort of responsibility and equal enjoyment of the the benefits of that are a a hallmark of this yeah yep there are situations um in bands with co-leadership organizations or in in organizations where within the organization uh the leadership responsibilities are very similar and there's a lot of collaboration and yet they might have separate lives or additional um, activities going on outside of the organization meaning additional income or you know speaking tours or things like that that might you know, benefited by the organization, but within that structure, the leadership and the reward are, are equal. Yeah. Mm. Cool. Yeah, that's great. And from my own experience, I had previously worked under a co-leadership model, which actually existed within a nonprofit. So there was a layer above that provided oversight, um, but they provided oversight to a, co-CEO team, um, which was kind of unique in, in the nonprofit world, mm. um, but was actually an extremely healthy dynamic there and was the first time I had experienced it um, in the kind of the business sense and was able to see firsthand some of the benefits, which I think were um, some of those varying perspectives that had kind of, you know, at the end of the day, authority. Um, a Also, I think a person in in their corner as a leader sometimes being a leader of a company or an organization or a band that can be a lonely a lonely road um if you're kind of traveling that um so having another leader who has the same stakes as you um can be extremely beneficial um so those were just kind of the few that i had picked up on as as someone who experienced you know from the outside or as an employee the the co-leadership model Mm. Randy, it's interesting to hear your perspective because I have never operated under co-leadership. And so it's, uh, it's great to hear your perspective of what that experience was like. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's very true. I, I I don't think I realized that until we hit record here. But I have, <laughs> outside of being in a in a band myself, um, I don't think I have been in it from you know the business sense, or I don't have a child, so <laughs> not from the parenting sense. So I'm usually the benefactor of the the co leadership model, <laughs> as opposed to to you both. <laughs> How would you say that co leadership? And we touched on this earlier. How does it what is the difference between a co-leadership model and a team? How is it different than that? Joey, how, it, when you hear that question, what comes to mind immediately? Uh, a couple of thoughts. And you know, I'll probably backtrack on some of this at some point here. So give me that space, please. But when I think of the team, often a team, each individual has a role that's not redundant in any way. And you have your own sort of sphere of influence. You bring your piece uh, of the pie to the trivial pursuit piece and that's your corner and you maybe you don't need to defend your corner but you also don't need to educate everyone else on the on how you do that it's not part of the team you play your role and that's that's um, important you think of the baseball team and all the other sports analogies uh, not everybody needs to know how to do every position in the co-leadership model not that you can't have specialties and not that you can't have um, <clears throat> an expert in something that you would turn to to lead a particular initiative, but the responsibility for that initiative is equally shared. And and I, I like to think that in a co-leadership model, if I am really good at, let's use the sports analogy, if I'm a really good pitcher, I'm going to teach the third baseman how to be a good pitcher too. That's important to the success of our co-leadership. Uh, in the team model, that's not important. It's not a critical uh, factor there. That's, and, that's where I see it kind of splitting. And, and sometimes when starting an organization, as happened when I started my music licensing company, my business partner, John, had and I had so many overlapping skills and experiences and also were at such a clear, similar place when it came to seniority and understanding that industry, that co-leadership just kind of suggested itself. And instead of fighting for first place, um, it just made a lot more sense to just say, you know, let's, let's work as co-leaders. And it's always at first, I mean, we'd known each other for years, which is also something else that really helped us to feel comfortable because it's, it's hard, you know, to just find your co-leader, uh, with an ad in the proverbial paper. Um, but for us, it just because of the, the similar backgrounds and already having so much overlap in our skill sets, co-leadership just kind of suggested itself. And the fact that we'd both been in bands where co-leadership was the norm made us feel comfortable that we could do that. And we've now been doing it for 10 years. Hmm. I was laughing at the picture of that in my mind of that classified ad, you know, in search of person with whom I have an incredibly deep relationship and tons of trust. And I'm comfortable being vulnerable with, uh, in search of, in search of person. It's not a marriage, but it's like it. Oh man, that's good. That's great. One of the, the themes that kind of keeps coming up, kind of returning to the question of what really is co-leadership is it seems to be this real true, kind of sharing an equality of whether it be power, influence, reward, risk, um, that these things are, are truly, truly shared amongst the members or the co-leadership team. Uh, and this may be a, a distinction where from, from a team um, in that while there can be some, you know, everyone at the table, there may be some uh, unequal footing in terms of you know who who is sharing in the risk and who is sharing in the reward the example you gave eric was you know someone can't just come in and you know unilaterally change a decision that had been made that that doesn't exist and that can exist within a team um, which is a great point so it seems to be this theme of there is is real true you know sometimes through just the bond of the group but also sometimes legally um or just in governance of how how this this co-leadership model operates and that power being really distributed and shared amongst the members. Is, is that accurate from, from kind of what you both have said? 
really seems to me to have to be the case. Um, it, the music industry really set bands up to fail uh, with the traditions that they had created in the first part of the 20th century. Songwriters made the money and rights holders to the recordings made the money. So the Beatles, you know, there were lots of other bands at the time, but there was no band like the Beatles before the Beatles. Um, they were four super famous folks that really were bound. I mean, I love the word band because it totally provides that image of the thing that goes around the group. Wow. And even though they were a band in reputation, they were not a band in the economic structure. So while John and Paul were making all the money for the lion's share, George and Ringo were not, and that caused serious tension. So the radical move, and it was definitely radical that U2 made and, and other bands by saying, we saw what happened into in, our beloved bands where when the financial stakes were not equal and we're not going to do that anymore. And there have been bands that decided not to do that in the past 30 years. And most of them have paid the consequences. It's really hard to keep a true band together and to not divide up the earnings equally as well as, as the risk. Everyone shares equally in the risk. Hmm. And relating that over to business, I mean, the the parallels are, are really important to, to note of having some of those now checks and balances within that system that can allow for a much healthier and probably transparent system, hopefully, um, when there's not just one person who can make these, you know, sweeping decisions and, and you know, understanding of the, the rewards that do come from those risks. Um, but it can be for companies that operate with advisory boards or, you know, board of directors or just trying to be transparent with the staff, having another person who's kind of sitting in, in that hot seat um, can provide an additional just voice to add mm -hmm. some dual controls and accountability and, um, and just be a different perspective for employees to kind of lean on and, and look to as, you know, that is a, that is a lot to put on just one person. That's so true. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm going out on a limb here, guys. But uh, what I'm what I'm thinking about is if you think about the single leader model, where you have the CEO or the president or whatever title, and and we say a really good CEO or a president is one who listens to their team, um, and that's a that's like a really important characteristic. This co leadership model is like a is a next step beyond that, where it's not so much that he or she has to listen to her team, he or she shares that responsibility with more than one person. And it's no longer just about, okay, I've listened to you and now I'm going to make my call. It's, oh, we're going to do this together. And we have to actually be open to each other's perspectives. And that diversity of thought and that diversity of insight is what really crafts this into a, um, a more robust and more perhaps successful model, depending on what it is you're trying to do. Mm, yeah, that's, that's a really great point too. So what do we really think are the essential ingredients needed for a co-leadership model? Eric, what would you say are the essential ingredients? You know, I think when I think about the governing principle that is above a co-leadership team, um, it is the purpose of the organization itself. So if a co-leadership team is leading an organization that doesn't have a clear idea of what it wants to do, then there can be more chaos and disagreement, um, which can create uncertainty for the whole organization. But if a co-leadership team um, has a guiding principle and have agreed on what is the, what is the organizational purpose um, behind the entity, then decisions are a lot easier because they're not having to find common ground on what the purpose is. It's more about, you know, what road to take to the same, to the same end. 
Mm, that's great. So kind of just uh, having having a shared vision that's that's clear amongst the, the members of the co-leadership team. Yep. Yep. Or marriage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a great point, though. And probably uh, when I when I hear the word essential, um, I was I wasn't actually thinking of that response initially, but that is so true of how important that would be for those two, three, four people to be in harmony on that kind of big picture of, you know, where is this heading and that that exists in all of these relationships we've talked about, you know, in business, what is the purpose of, of our company? Where do or where are we wanting to head? You know, as a parenting model, what, what type of child do we want to raise in a band? What type of music do we want to make? If we're not aligned on those things, then then what we can't even get out of the gate. And the additional benefit of having that well-known understanding of what the purpose of the organization is and what is the vision is that it allows folks that are being led by the co-leadership organization uh, to, to know when the, the, the co-leaders are acting in accord with what they're really trying to head, head toward. So it, it's, it's really a source of trust building too. Right. Mm-hmm. And empowerment too for that team to know what the goal is and not just know what my task is. That's uh, I mean, that's just critical all the way around. That's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah, it's really excellent. Joey, what would you say is an essential ingredient of co-leadership? So I was thinking more about like the personal kind of ingredients, um, people who are ready for vulnerability and humility. I think those those are two traits that kind of jump out to me um, to know that your voice is only as valuable as the next voice is not a really comfortable place for a lot of leaders who, and perhaps a traditional and I'd say outdated model of leadership think it's their job to tell and not to ask. And um, in this model, you really have to be comfortable asking and listening as much as you tell. So that, um, that ability to be open to the feedback of what I'm not doing right or what I, what I have missed perhaps in, in the process or in the pursuit of that clearly, uh, clearly stated goal that, that Eric mentioned earlier. I think that's, those are huge parts of it. Mm, that's great. Yeah. The, those two qualities have to exist as going into that relationship, especially in business, you know, at that point you are divulging a lot <laughs> and sharing a lot with that person, you know, financially, emotionally, you know, all the things and being able to do that and put that, that trust in someone that um, is, it's not appealing to everyone. And there's also, that's a reason why many people do start businesses is they don't want, you know, someone telling them what to do. They don't want that sense of control over them. So entering into that still with another person, that's, you're giving up some of that in, in hopes for what can be better by going together instead of going alone. Um, So that's, it seems like such a critical, critical ingredient as well. One thing that that makes me think of that might, I might add is that, the co-leadership relationship itself can serve and should serve as a model for how relational dynamics should play out in the organization in the eyes of the leadership. So it be, because inevitably that dynamic is going to impact how people mirror um, or, or determine what is, you know, how are we to really interact with one another so an essential ingredient might be that that relationship is a reflection of what the organization wants to see, you know, all the way through. Mm-hmm. Right. With leaders as role models, really consistently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's great. Because, I mean, you see that in marriages with children, right? Absolutely. That's what I was thinking, too. The parenting situation, you're mm-hmm. teaching all the time what is right and what is wrong by what you do. And I think in the business model, it's the same. And thinking about that, uh, that trust and vulnerability piece in the parenting model you know if you can't trust your co-parent to do the same things that you do that's going to be that's going to be rocky (laughs) really really rocky um huge yeah Mm -hmm. so if you were in the position of looking for a co-leader say you're writing that craigslist ad we were speaking of you know you've been flying solo you need to recruit someone else 
and that you want to consciously couple with that, that person, what is what is the number one or a top one or two trait that you would be looking for in a co-leader? Uh, there are probably no right and wrong answers. And, you know, we hit on a few of those of, you know, someone who can, who has the ability to be vulnerable. You know, there's some humility there. They're aligned with your kind of vision. Are there any other character traits that you would be looking for? Eric, what do you, what do you think when you think about character traits? Well, I've become quite the relational psychology geek in the last few years. And um, I didn't know it at the time, but I kind of came to it with a super humanist lens. And so when I came across the writings of Carl Rogers, who um, kind of, along with another humanist figure, founded the humanist approach to therapy, um, he talks a lot about this quality, congruence. And his idea of congruence, which I find really important, both in one's own, you know, mental health as well as relational health, is the idea that one's inside world is mirrored in their actions and words. So that there's a sense in that, you know, reminds me of, of Joey's reference to vulnerability earlier. So there's that ability and that courage and that to be honest um, it really kind of encapsulates a lot of things. It implies good self-esteem, honesty, very few surprises. Um, if someone says that their favorite color is green and they love green clothes, then you're probably going to see your co-leader show up in green T-shirts. <laughs> That's congruence. Um, but it can really impact relationships on all kinds of levels and then flow through the organization. So I would say... It's really the quality of congruence in my, in my partner. That's really cool. In my mind, Eric, I was thinking about authenticity, which sounds like it's very much the same thing. They're twins. That's so cool. Like that. And you touched on the honesty part of that and the community, the, that belies good communication skills, right? It's hard to be honest if you don't ever share what you're thinking and share what you're feeling. Um, yeah, that's, I'm right there with you. That's awesome. Congruence. I'm, I'm going to keep that one. It's a good one. Yeah. I should say I'm going to aspire to do that one, not keep it. <laughs> it's all we can do. It's all we can do. Those are some of the traits we would look for. We also like to think of Anthony DeMello's advice to us that mm. transformation is the consequence, not of something done, but of something dropped. So when maybe transitioning from a solo leader to a co-leadership model, or, or really in order to be an exceptional co-leader, what is, what is maybe one thing you would need to drop? Joey, I see you rubbing your face. <laughs> oh, man. Anthony, take it easy, man. Um, I think of um, you have to drop the defensive mechanism uh, is one thing that you have to drop because successful co-leadership requires sort of that radical humility and, um, and acceptance of feedback and... Uh, the sense of, I don't know if calm is the right word, but the, the calmness to accept that, oh, wow, this I'm hearing that this isn't working. Let me listen to that instead of let me defend the, why I was where I was. And that mm -hmm. is, a speak for myself, is a deeply seated mechanism that's highly efficient. And so uh, to be effective in this world, I think that's one that would have to go. Yeah, that's great. I was actually thinking something a little similar you had described it different and i didn't even know how to phrase it at first and it's it's not necessarily a self-centeredness mm. but it's an understanding of the human aspects of who you're working with and that's a that's a big one because whether it's in business or in a relationship or in a band you can get into those flows and those routines and it really takes some effort to step back and remember, oh, this person is a human being and they're, they're making decisions, you know, with all their world perspective kind of yeah. going into that. And it's not just this, this thing we're cycling through every month. Um, and if you have that healthy dynamic with them and, you know, and really believe at the end of the day there, they do have those, those big qualities you mentioned of the, the shared vision and, you know, the trustworthiness that the decisions they're making and the way they're acting is, is in a positive 
it's coming from a positive area, but th they're a whole person that, that needs to be recognized too, which can be sometimes lost as you get into the flow of, of some of those relationships, be it band, co-leadership, you know, parenting. Uh, so that was kind of what I was thinking as well as how do you kind of step outside yourself and recognize this person as a, as a whole human being and not just mm. a business partner, not just a spouse, you know, et cetera. And not just a tool for your own agenda, right? Like that's the trick is, oh, you come with your all of the context of you <laughs> and that's valuable and worth exploring. And even if it doesn't, doesn't seem like the most efficient way for me to get my thing done. That's not what this is about. That's, mm -hmm. that's big. Thank you, Randy. Mm -hmm. Eric, how do you think about this? What is, what is the one thing you've had to drop or you think a, a person needs to drop? Well, and my response is so related to what you two have already said, but, um, you know, I'm a drummer. So as the drummer, we're already at the back of the stage. We're not, you know, we might be loudest, but we're not, you know, we're not the lead singer. We never will be the lead singer. So we've already given up the idea that, that we're in the front of the band. Um, but the other thing that we have to give up, and again, it's so related is this an investment in having the most successful idea. You know, a, a co-leadership can be super successful, even if one or more of them um, never have the most successful idea. Because sometimes, you know, may, there might be one person in the, in the, in the co-leadership entity that always has the most successful idea, but that person might not have had that idea if it wasn't for the grist that the other one or two or three people provided. So it's really, you know, I might never have the most successful idea and I still might be a great co-leader. So I have to give up that investment. Mm, that's so good. <laughs> that's really oh, great. Man, I love it. <laughs> Yeah, that really leans on that sort of diversity of, of, of voices, right? It's, uh, and the, all the context that comes into producing the diamond, you know, you may not be that, um, molecule carbon that turns into it, but you're part of that giant mountain that was pressing and squeezing that made it that metaphor maybe got lost, but, uh, I think you know where I'm going. So it's been an interesting past 12 months has the past year has COVID the kind of world we're entering into now, which is this murky <laughs> area past, you know, still in the pandemic. What is most beneficial in today's world about co-leading? Joey, what would you say is most beneficial right now about co-leading? One thing that um, can't be overstated or stated strongly enough about the last 14 months in my world, at least, is that any illusion of control um, has been very clearly and efficiently erased from my understanding of the world. So the co-leadership model, I think, embraces this fact that it's not all about me and my little uh, connection to all the levers that can make everything happen that I want to happen. There's a um, what when you can embrace this model, you're you're adding legs to your stool. If nothing else, you're adding uh, resources to your process, whatever it is you're working on doing, if it's your relationship or if it's your business, uh, that diversity of thought, that diversity of insight can only broaden the horizons and broaden the perspectives, leaving you less vulnerable to that one sort of um, narrow thought that you might have had or, or approach that you might have had, that I might have had, I should say, or previously. So I think that's, I think it is really valuable right now and, and relevant right now as we, um, as a culture perhaps are starting to wake up to the, the, the value of diversity in all, in so many ways. That's great. Eric, what are your thoughts? What, what is most beneficial about co-leading right now? I have a few thoughts and I'll just try them on. We'll see what works. So one thought I had is in this is an ex once again, an extension of what Joey's already saying, but you know, going through a pandemic, businesses have become much more diffuse um, in terms of their work style, literally, like every people are working from homes. And while co-leadership situations can be uh, challenging or have challenges in, in terms of getting started, and we, one can't be hasty 
to suddenly start a co-leadership situation when one is available and when it's possible to work in a co-leadership capacity, you're able to cover more ground and, and to provide a more robust support system. Thinking beyond pandemic, there are ways in which culture is thinking less in binaries. Um, that's showing up in marriages. It's showing up in intimate relationships. It's, it's showing up when we think of gender. And, and I think as a culture, we are questioning, not throwing away, but wondering if there are other ways of conducting business conducting personal relationships that have advantages in certain situations. I mean, clearly we're not ready to have a country with a co-leadership president, probably, but where can we introduce this that is uh, pertinent to our times? I think it's, I think it's a really good question. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if there's anything we have seen from the past year it's it's the resilience needed in so many forms and in relationships and in business and parenting and all those things and having someone along that journey um to share in that resilience and how you can build back better is extremely important um and doesn't and even just from a a practical standpoint in you know, be, be it business or whatever, you know, having not all your metaphorical eggs in one basket um, mm-hmm. that a company or a relationship is dependent upon is, is more critical than ever. And, and like you said, Eric, you know, the world is, there's this kind of diffusion in, in business and people are in different areas. And, uh, you know, just looking at, you know, very simple numbers, you know, if, if you're one person and you have now a distributed team of 15, 20 people, you know, it's, how do you keep tabs on them? You have another leader alongside you, you cut that in half and that's big. And, you know, it's, it's not the same as when you're all sitting in one office making, you know, widgets and, you know, busting through everything. It's, it's a different time. And now you have some people in some people out of office and, you know, it's, it, it may not go back to a world where we're all sitting together, you know, in our open office space, you know, collaborating and able to just bust through things that there needs to be this, this diffusion and having another person along to kind of navigate that journey is, it seems now more important than ever to explore how, how this can work and how this can benefit. Right on. We've spoken a lot on the benefits um, of co-leadership, what it is, how it applies, where we see it. Why not co-leadership? When, when would this not be something to pursue? Anything immediately come to mind? Eric, what are you thinking? Well, to, to use the, the music metaphor again, if there is an artist that wants to have a band, a songwriter who's a singer, performer, who wants to have a band... But really, it's about her or his vision, but that's unspoken. And they try to live in two worlds at once. And so that person says they want co-leadership, and they might really want co-leadership. They might want all of those things we talked about, you know, the security of not having to be the only one to make the decision, but ultimately, they want to make the ultimate decision. That's when co-leadership just won't work because there's not congruence between the stated goal and intent and what their actual goal is. They may not go into it, you know, aware of that incongruence, but if that incongruence is there, then co-leadership won't work. Mm. That's really great. I think if I extrapolate that, Eric, it's like if the execution of the vision in its purest form is more important than the process of connecting with the rest of the folks engaged in that, then yes, like call it a spade, right? Yeah. This person's vision. It will. This is the beautiful thing we're doing. It's mine. 
I'm not asking for your input. We're going to execute. If you want to execute with me, cool. If you don't, cool. Uh, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, when there's not a belief that the contribution of others will take that initial idea, the seed, and really help it help it to grow. Yeah, right. That's interesting. Yeah. And it's it's not like a right or wrong. It's just that's the circumstance and that's the situation and uh, be honest about it. Own it mm-hmm. the way it is. Right. Hmm. That's really great. One additional question I have is, as you've both been in a co-leadership type relationship in various forms, what has been a time you've been most grateful to have a co-leader along with you? Hmm. One thing that pops to my mind immediately is the parenting situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I couldn't be luckier than to have my wife's impl- influence and input on how to be good parents. Um, we share the responsibility for our daughter surviving and thriving and learning. And uh, my wife has a background in education and psychology, and she is way more tuned in to the nuances of how to meet a child where they are, for example, and to acknowledge emotions and to bring them into the conversation. All these things that I would not have, I may have learned on my own, um, but it would have been messier and uglier. So when I think of that, and it, it sounds like I'm saying, well, that's her job. No, no, no. Like her, in her co-leadership, she's teaching me how to do that, not just saying, I got this, you stay over there, um, wait for your turn or something like that. So that, that has really, I mean, it's made me a better father for sure. So while there's, there's like this immediate duplication of, of skill sets and capacity, and while those may be different, um, they can kind of be, be in line with each other and just add a whole new dynamic than what it may be if it were, you know, one solo leader in that. And mm. I think while that exists, you know, directly, like you said, in the parenting world, in, in other worlds as well, that's, that's immediately true. It just while there may be now dual decisions that need to be made, you know, sure. can, you know, can the sleepover happen, you know, where are they go into summer camp, mm. you know, and on the business end, you know, it, this immediate duplication of, you know, who needs to sign off on things, you know, how do we process and, you know, give consent to some of these things. Um, it also adds right away, you know, dual perspectives, different mindsets, especially if, if those leaders come from different ba- backgrounds where they may have that, skill set that is is their area but it, it's not everything they do and they don't have total authority over that and it's it's also on that other leader to to join in in learning and understanding of that um so i think that one of the benefits you pointed out yes there's this immediate duplication of, of those things yeah and to riff on that for a second um one of my co-workers at atomic ray talks a lot about the collaborative process and she studied this thoroughly in her in her studies and she often talks about how it's not usually the fastest or the cheapest way but it's the best way and you may actually yield uh, efficiencies and cost savings and all kinds of things down the stream but to get to the the nugget of truth will take longer and take um and therefore usually cost more money and if you think about like as you said the duplication of efforts and i have to check with you and you and you to get this checked off yes you do and we think that that's actually worth it um Mm -hmm. and that the 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 polishing of the thing is worth the time and the energy of doing that that's it's a really good point and so it Mm -hmm. kind of references back to when or why not co-leadership if the if the goal is the shortest amount of time between now and the answer well that might be a reason why not um, especially in the beginning or in a formative stage of of the co-leadership group or, or entity. Um, anyway, that's it just mm-hmm. popped out as you were talking there, Randy. That's great. Did you want to give any thoughts, Eric, on a time you were great? There are so many times. Yeah, so many, uh, so many come to mind. But one particularly colorful one was... My band, Spy Mob, had was dropped from Epic Records, and that was a really miserable time. We also lost uh, our, our our beloved bass player at the time. Cho decided to go in another direction and go into another career, and we were just we were sad. We thought everything was over, um, and we hired a brand new bass player, uh, rather. We chose another uh, co-leader, 
um, as our bass player. And it was like a vitamin D light in the darkest Minnesota winter. When Christian Twig joined us, his energy as a co-leader really buoyed the band. And the three of us, we'd been in the band for, gosh, by that point, nine years, eight years. And he single-handedly, Christian single-handedly, just energized the band and his attitude countered the, um, the low mood of the rest of us. And it's really hard to imagine um, what happened next without Christian being tapped as a co-leader. He was brand new. We could have discounted him as like, oh, you're just not jaded enough. But no, we, by viewing him as an equal voice, we allow, we endowed him with the power to actually lift up the fricking boat. And he did. And then, you know, and then we all could be equally vitamin D lights after that. But without him, I'm not sure we could have done that. If you're not from Minnesota or the dark North, you may not understand the importance of vitamin D lights. Yeah, no, I hear you. That's great. Um, I really appreciate you both taking the time to, to join here and kind of explore through co-leadership, you know, discussing what, what it is, you know, why it can be beneficial. What are some of those ingredients? Um, so Joey and Eric, yeah, I really appreciate your thoughts here today. It was, it was great to talk with you both. Yeah, Thanks same. for having me. Thank you very much. Yeah. And thank you as well to our listeners. Um, Please keep us in your queue by subscribing on Apple or Spotify. And if you found value in this episode, please leave a review or share with a friend. If you're interested in learning more about our guest today, Joey and Eric, we will post some links in the show notes. So please be sure to check those out. Uh, Learn more about co-leadership and all Work Wisdom is up to at workwisdomllc.com. Follow us on Instagram to enjoy more work wisdom, press and productions, ask questions and make suggestions for future episodes. We'll end our podcast today with a quote from Henry Kimsey House, uh, who wrote a book called Coactive Leadership, Five Ways to Lead. It is only through dialogue, deep listening and passionate disagreement that we find our way to something larger than a singular and isolated point of view.